Remain standing, Psalm 100. It's 100 Psalms, stand together. As I spoke to you about this morning, we're in the book of Psalms all day um, as we are beginning this month of Thanksgiving. And I want to encourage you, um, if, you aren't, if you don't have a, a Thanksgiving list or a list of things you're thankful for, I want to encourage you to consider doing something like that. I think it would be a help to you to take inventory of your life. And uh, sometimes, um, well, I got, a, I got a quote for you. Helen Keller, she said, so much has been given to me that I have no time to ponder that which I don't have. And we have, we have a lot of complaints, we have a lot of uh, concerns or things that may irritate or upset us, but sometimes remembering the things we do have and the blessings God has given us uh, makes it a little easier for us not to uh, quite complain as much and be as disappointed as, as many people are. And, and uh, another woman just like Helen Keller that had uh, certain ailments and uh, handicaps, Joni Erickson Tata, she said, giving thanks is not a matter of, of feeling thankful, it's a matter of obedience. Uh, we are commanded to be thankful. And so we look here at Psalm 100, and what we're looking at tonight is how to live a thankful life. And, and we find a thankful spirit here uh, throughout this whole chapter. So let's begin here in verse 1 of Psalm 100. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with what? gladness come before his presence with singing know ye that the Lord he is God it is he that hath made us and not we ourselves we are his people and the sheep of his pasture enter into his gates with what thanksgiving and into his courts with praise be thankful unto him and bless his name read that last verse with me for the Lord is good his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. We're going to look tonight at the thankful life. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness, God, the blessings that we have in you. And God, I pray that you'd help us tonight, Lord, to be encouraged, God, to be thankful. And Lord, not just in the month of November, but God, I pray that as we're thankful and, and uh, Lord, very aware of your blessings and all that you've done for us, God, that it would uh, be something that would help us to be that way every day of the year understanding what we have because of you, what we have in you. Lord, bless us tonight. Be with me as I preach. Uh, Lord, I pray that we'd all be encouraged as we, as we finish this Sunday together. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I understand Thanksgiving began, uh, the emphasis of Thanksgiving in this month of the year began uh, hundreds of years ago with the pilgrims. And someone said, the pilgrims made seven times more graves than huts. Nevertheless, they set aside a day of thanksgiving. And I, f I found uh, an article that had the original, uh, the, the original statement of a day of thanksgiving from William Bradford, the governor of Plymouth Colony. I'll read this to you. He says, To all you pilgrims, inasmuch as the great Father has given us this year an abundant harvest of Indian corn, wheat, beans, squashes, and garden vegetables, and has made the forest to abound with game and the sea with fish and clams, and inasmuch as he has protected us from the ravages of savages, has spared us from pestilence and disease, has granted us freedom to worship God according to the dictates of our own conscience. Now I, your magistrate, do proclaim that all ye pilgrims with your wives and little ones do gather at the meeting house on the hill between the hours of 9 and 12 in the daytime on, November, on Thursday, November 29th of the year of our Lord, 1,623, and third year since ye pilgrims landed on Pilgrim Rock, 
They're to listen to your, to your pastor and render thanksgiving to the Almighty God for all his blessings. That was the first Thanksgiving. And uh, we've had many, many since, and it's been a proclamation by many presidents early on. And I'm thankful for the emphasis and why we have Thanksgiving. It's not to sit around and eat turkey and watch football and what it's become in America. It was originally designed for us as a country, us as a people, to give thanks to Almighty God for his blessings and what he's given us in the, in the, in the free land that we live in. And as someone once said, gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God, and it is one that the poorest of us can make and be not poorer but richer for having made it. And as we approach this month, as I've said just a few moments ago, I want you to focus and, and, and make, make a point uh, either, either tonight or, or beginning tomorrow to be thankful to your God. As you, as you spend time in prayer, make sure in, in your prayer you are thanking God for what he's done for you, thanking God for the blessings in your life, thanking God simply for who he is as he spoke about this morning. And as, as we look here in this chapter, Psalm 100 describes a real attitude of thankfulness and, and worship and a way that we are to approach God as we come to the church, a way that we are to approach God, not, not just in, in the church, but in, in life. And if, if this has been instructed to us, I think it'd be good for us to be reminded of it tonight as, as much as we know this. I, I think when I was five years old, I, I memorized this chapter, and it's one that every time I hear it, I, I don't have to read it, I can quote it. But as much as I know it, as I studied it this week, there were some things that I haven't really, that I've overlooked in this chapter, and I, I hope we can be encouraged by it tonight. And so as we look at a life of thanksgiving or a thankful life, the first thing that we find it will have is the proper spirit. If we look here in, in the beginning of this chapter, it says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. And so as we look at this proper spirit, the first thing that we find described, the first thing that should be coming from us is a joyful noise, or there should be a joyful spirit about us. We find that first word, make. That means to make music. To, it, there's some action that comes, that comes from us in, in, this, in this command. And then he says that, that joyful, that word joyful is the same thing that they would use as a public confession of the attributes and works of God, specifically. We are joyful because of who our God is. We are joyful because of, of all that he is and what he's done for us. And so as we actively are praising God, we are making that noise or that shout, that ringing cry of how good our God is and how thankful we are for him. So as we combine those, those definitions there, there should be a song of praise coming from my heart to the Lord. There should be a song of praise coming from your heart to the Lord. And as we approach God, as we come to church every service, as we approach our, our walk with the Lord, as we go throughout this, this life that we are living, we need to have a song coming from us for what he's done for us. And this is a challenge to participate in the public praise of, 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 of God and, and what he's done, his person, his works. You know, David in, in Psalm 40 said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto my ear and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And if you are saved tonight, you can say that same thing that God has done for you. And, and beyond salvation, I think many of us could look at times in our life that, that, it, that the blessings we have or the way things have turned out are only because of God. Am I right? You think of what God has done for you in that instance. And so as David understood God was his salvation, as David understood where he was and where God brought him to, in the third verse of that chapter he says, And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear and shall trust in the Lord. 
Praise God. Thank God for what he's done. Be aware of what has been done for you. That was done, what was done for you in salvation. And, and because of that, there should be a song in your mouth. There, there should be a, a song coming from your heart. And if you're truly aware of what happened to you in salvation, it should put a joyful noise in you. We, we should, all Christians should be able to praise God for it. It should be a song of joy. You know, someone once said, genuine praise is always vocal, visible, in public. Genuine praise is always vocal, visible, in public. The proper spirit's joyful. So this, this proper spirit that you have is not only joyful, but the second lady we find tonight was in obedience spirit. It says there in verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. That word serve there is the, is the definition of that means to be in bondage to. It, it refers to someone that has a employer or one that uh, has a master. It means to be ready for the call, be ready for the command. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. When you put your faith and trust in Christ, when you got saved, you were purchased by God. If we look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, it says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God? And look at these last words, and ye are not your own. Do you know that? If you're a child of God, you're not your own. You're the temple of God. He says, here's the reason, for ye are bought with a price. You've been bought, you've been purchased, you've been redeemed. Therefore... Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are whose? God's. You're not your own. So what he commands we should do without question or hesitation, he says, be obedient. Serve him. Listen to his call. Be ready for it and move when he speaks. And, but not just serve him. Serve the Lord with gladness. As we're making a joyful noise and as we're approaching the Lord and as we're serving him and being obedient to his word and obedient to him in worship, we should be doing that not with a, a critical spirit, not with an irritated spirit, not with a tired spirit, but with a glad spirit. This, this is a word that, uh, this word for gladness is not really a, a word that we would use much in this definition in modern times, but this word literally meant gladness accompanied with laughter. The verse is telling us we are to serve the Lord with laughter, an excited service. You remember as a, as a kid, one of the first times your parents allowed you to do something you'd always wanted to do or you found out you're going to, to, to see a certain athlete or to see a certain person that you looked up to and how excited you were for that moment and how that, that joy brought actually the, uh, for lack of better words, the giggles. You guys, can you guys relate with me on anything like that, Okay. He says we should be so excited about serving the Lord, it should have a spirit just overflowing with joy to pretty much a point of laughter, excitement. So filled with love for God that regardless of what he asks you to do, you are tickled to death to do it. The 122nd Psalm, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, I've had a lot of Sunday mornings with, with my, five, my five kids, and 
Uh, not every Sunday morning are my kids glad to be getting out of bed and getting in the car and heading to church. It's because they don't know God like, like we adults do, right? But how often are we coming more of an obligation or a duty and not a gladness because we get to go to church and we get to praise our God because of how good he is? You know, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Are we, when we approach our God, are we, when we wake up Sunday morning ready to go to church, are we excited about that? Are we joyful with the prospect of coming to give him praise? I don't know how many would know the name Oliver Wendell Holmes. He's a member of the U.S. Supreme Court for 30 years, and his, uh, his mind, his intellect, his, his sense of humor, it earned him the unofficial title of the greatest justice since John Marshall. And someone asked him uh, near the end of his career why he chose to go into law and why he ended up being a judge. And he explained his choice of career. He said this. These are his words. He said, I might have entered the ministry if certain clergymen I knew had not looked and acted much like, so much like undertakers. He said, I, I thought about giving my life to the Lord and being in ministry, but every preacher I knew was not, seemed like he wasn't happy or excited to be doing that. Are you serving with gladness? Are you excited about the opportunity to do what God has commanded you to do? Are you excited about the opportunity to, to serve him and approach him and, and, and be part of the ministries that, that God has allowed our church to have and will allow our church to have? Are we serving him with gladness? The right motivation will help. And the right, the right spirit will help. The right understanding of who your God is will help. So in this proper spirit, we see a joyful spirit. We see an obedient spirit. And then we see a singing spirit. Come before his presence with singing. We're told to approach him with singing. Our hearts should be so filled with an understanding and awe of God that praise comes from our inner being. Sing. You say, well, I'm not good at it. It doesn't mean you have to do a solo. Okay, we're not going to call you up here and ask you to sing in front of the church. But God intended God created us to give him praise and one of the ways he has us has intended us to give him praise is through song through singing so I'd encourage you it doesn't mean you have to be in the choir but what we can do in our pew when we're when we're having congregational worship we are actually having noise come from our mouth and I was a music I was a music director for a, a decent amount of years and I remember I, I could see certain people that I would not make eye contact eye contact with because as I look at them they look like one, a marionette they're just kind of moving their mouth up and down and, and kind of faking it as they're there. Sing. Sing. I would encourage you to do that. Well, the proper spirit is needed to have a thankful life. You know what we see here in these first two verses? When God is in your life, when there is a true awareness of who he is and what he's done and the privilege that it is to do anything for him, you will not be able to hide it. It'll come, it'll come from you. Your spirit will be affected. So the first thing tonight, a thankful life will have the proper spirit. Second thing we see tonight, the thankful life will have a proper perspective. Look at verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. 
So in this proper perspective, we first of all need to have an understanding of God. It says, know ye that the Lord, he is God. There's a, there's a distinction there. Know that he alone is God. Know that he alone is Jehovah God, the one that created this world. Do you know who your God is? I did, I did a little reading this, this weekend and a little study on, on God. I just want to remind you of a couple things as we, as we look. It says, know ye that the Lord, he is God. That word Lord, when we see it, it's, it, it's a rendering of the word Jehovah. It describes God as the I am, the self-existent, eternal one. It's, it's the way God revealed himself to Moses. He is everything Moses ever needed, everything he needed at that time. Everything he was ever going to need, God was. Jehovah is coupled with other words in the Bible. Jehovah Jireh, you heard that one? That means the Lord will provide. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Jehovah Sesbath, the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Rohi, the Lord is my shepherd. What about God? The word Elohim. It refers to the one supreme, faithful, triune God. Literally, the strong and faithful one. That's who your God is. The Jehovah, the Lord that we're looking to tonight is, is the supreme, faithful God, the, the strong and faithful one, and it's used over 2,000 times in the Old Testament. The most common word for, for God in the Bible. When God stepped out of eternity to reveal himself to man, that is the name he chose, the strong and faithful one. He says, I, I am stronger than any, anyone, anything, and I am faithful. I will never fail you. I will never leave you, never forsake you. He's a God that can be depended on. The God of the Bible, the God of the 100th Psalm, the God is the God who created this world. He's supreme. He's holy. He's the I am. Know who your God is. Have a proper perspective. In this proper perspective, we need to understand who God is, but we also need to understand our purpose. What does it tell us after it tells us he is God? It is he that hath made us. God, the strong and faithful one, made you. You're created by the power of God. Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, by the grace of God, I am what I am. <laughs> he made me. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. So God made you who you are. God made you with a purpose. And the primary purpose God has for you is to bring him glory. Revelation chapter 4 verse, verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You are created before anything else for the glory of God. We are created for that reason, but what, what did we do? We failed him. We sinned against him. We went against his commands. And when we failed him, he redeemed us. And he didn't just redeem you because he, he, he wanted, he redeemed you for a purpose. And he's working on you. Understand what your life is about. Understand who God is, but understand why you're here. You're not here for you. You're not here just for your family. You're here to honor God. And as you honor God, all those other things will fall into place, won't they? 
from this proper perspective, there's a better understanding of God. There's an understanding of our purpose. And in that perspective, we also can understand his care. What does it say after that? We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Not only is he your God, but you're his person. He created you. He cares for you. The sheep of his pasture. You belong to him just as a shepherd looks after his sheep. Just as that shepherd looks after the sheep, God looks after you with infinite care. Look at Psalm 23 with me tonight. Psalm 23. David understood this greatly, and I don't know if it could be described or or a better picture could be painted of the shepherd that we have. It says there in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That verse is a good one, isn't it? There's no better shepherd. There's no reason to look anywhere else because we have him. What does he do for us? He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Everywhere he takes you is the best thing for you. God's will is the best place. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy, because you are my shepherd, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Something we, we've heard many, many times in our life. We've heard it read at funerals. Memorize it possibly as a child. Don't take that, that chapter for granted. Now, when it comes to the 23rd Psalm, there was years ago a, a dinner party and a group of people that were together. And there was a famous entertainer as a, as a guest that night. And he was reciting all kinds of things for people. And they would ask him to quote this certain poem and that certain poem. And... There's this old man that requested him to recite the 23rd Psalm. And he looked at that man and he said, I will, but on one condition, I want you to recite it after I do. An old man, he wanted to hear it and wanted to hear him communicate it. So he said, okay, I'll agree to that. And so that actor got up there and he, he quoted the 23rd Psalm and he enunciated everything perfectly. He had the right inflection where it should be and everybody clapped at the great performance he just gave quoting the 23rd psalm and then it was time for the elderly gentleman to do that and as he got up there he was a little frightened he wasn't a performer he wasn't an actor he wasn't uh, very good at speaking in front of people and he looked out over the audience and he decided to close his eyes because that's the only way he could really recite this without messing up and he bowed his head and he talked to God and he quoted that 23rd psalm beginning the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. When that man finished, in a different response than what the actor before him had, there was no applause, no noise. 
but they said there wasn't a dry eye in the house. And the actor came to the front of the stage, and he was also wiping his eyes from the tears, and he said this. He said, ladies and gentlemen, I know the words of the 23rd Psalm, but this man knows the shepherd. You know, the moment that you truly grasp that the Lord is your shepherd, it will transform your life. It'll change the way you see everything. It'll change your priorities. It'll change your attitude. It will eliminate worry. It'll cut out fears. It'll bring great peace to you. And the thankful life is one of a proper perspective, understanding who God is and understanding what you have in him. He's your shepherd. So we see this thankful life tonight. We see a proper spirit, a proper perspective. And lastly tonight, a proper approach. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, if you would. Hebrews chapter 10. In the tabernacle and temple days, the priest would not enter the presence of the Lord without the right sacrifice. They had to approach him in the right way with the right things. And to do so would mean death. We could look in Hebrews chapter 9 and, and see just that. I'm, I'm thankful tonight that as we approach our God, we do not have to offer a blood sacrifice. Because what we're going to read here in Hebrews 10, Jesus has already taken care of that forever. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. It says, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I love that. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. That blood sacrifice has been taken care of, and if you're saved, that it's once and for all, there's one offering made, and it's done. Notice that emphasis on the words once and the word one. The sacrifice is taken care of. But as we approach God tonight, we still do not need to approach him empty-handed. What's commanded here? It's not money. Although we need to bring our tithes and offerings to God if we've been commanded to. It's not simply just attendance, although we should be at church every opportunity that we have. There's one thing expected as we enter his gates. Thanksgiving and praise. Every time you go to him, every time you come to church, it should be a spirit of thanksgiving a spirit of praise. It says there in verse 4, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. What do you need to bring to him? What do you need to do as you approach him? Be thankful and praise him. Verse 5 gives us three reasons for doing that. First thing, for the Lord is what? Good. Praise him for his goodness. As, as we look at that, it, God is good. It's some, a somewhat simple description, isn't it? People may say it's limited. But that, that word good that we have there in this chapter means good, pleasant, beautiful, delightful, joyful, precious, correct, righteous. Everything that God does is an expression of his goodness. 
And we can, we can praise him tonight because he's good. Regardless of what happens in your life, God is good. Nothing will change that. We spent a little bit of time on the goodness of God this morning. And I think, I think we all understand tonight that we have a good God. And no matter how things turn out, God is good. No matter what difficulty comes in your life, God is good. No matter if your blessings aren't as much as other people around you, God is still good. So praise him for his goodness. Praise God for his goodness. Praise God for his mercy. We're told, we're told in the second part of that verse, for his mercy is everlasting. You can praise him tonight and you can be thankful in this month of November because he's constantly extending his mercy to you as you live this life. You know what mercy is? Not getting what you deserve. What do you deserve? What does everybody deserve? Hell. That's what we deserve. It's something many people say, how are you doing today? Well, better than I deserve. Because we all deserve hell. And if we look at it that way, when we praise God for what he's done, God is good because what he's given you, if all he's given you salvation, and we know that's not true tonight, if all he's given you is salvation, that is better than you deserve. There's a little reading here called Be Thankful for Life. I'll read it to you. Even though I clutch my blankets and groan when the alarm rings each morning, thank you, Lord, that I can hear. There are those who are deaf. Even though I keep my eyes tightly closed against the morning light as long as possible, thank you, Lord, that I can see. There are many who are blind. Even though I huddle in my bed and put off the physical effort of rising, thank you, Lord, that I have the strength to rise. There are many who are bedfast. Even though the first hour of my day is hectic, when socks are lost, toast is burned, tempers are short, thank you, Lord, for my family. There are many who are lonely. Even though our table never looks like the pictures in the magazines and the menu is at times unbalanced, thank you, Lord, for the food we have. There are many who are hungry. Even though the routine of my job is often monotonous, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to work. There are many who have no work. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. We have a lot of things to complain about. But as we understand the goodness of God tonight, what you have is better than you deserve. His mercy is everlasting. Aren't you glad about that? The mercy that God is extending to you right now will never run out. Never going to run dry, never going to stop. It's everlasting. That's a good reason to praise him. You can also praise God for his faithfulness. It says his truth endureth to all generations. We live in, a, in an ever-changing world, don't we? Moving from one thing to the next, one hobby to the next, one light to the next. Our health is not what it was before. Sometimes that's good, sometimes it's bad. Things change. And while everything in our life changes, and while many things in our world changes, there is not a single promise, a single truth of God's word that will ever fail and that will ever cease to be true. We understand tonight the Bible tells us that we have a God who cannot lie. And what we have is the promises of God right now, the things that were true 2,000 years ago are still true tonight. And the things that are still true tonight and 10,000 years from this moment will still be true. Because they were everlasting, they were, it was enduring, 
truth the instant he promised it. It will never change. So be thankful and praise him. Praise him because he's good. But also praise him because he's commanded it. He's instructed it. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You know, God commands us to be grateful people. But he also condemns unthankfulness as a sin. And it's a sin that we will see in the last days, and I believe that we're seeing now all over the place. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. I think it's clear to see we're, that there are unthankful spirits all around us in, the, in America today. There's unthankful spirits possibly in our homes. And may we purpose never to live in an unthankful spirit. We need to train our young people and train believers and remind ourselves daily the importance of being thankful. I want to encourage you this month, as you pray and give thanks to the Lord this season, in November as we approach Thanksgiving, ask God for a renewed sense of thanksgiving. Not just for the month of November, but every day of your life. Be thankful to him and bless his name. There needs to be a proper spirit, a proper perspective, a proper approach. Be thankful. Praise God. Every head bowed, every eye closed.